At least look half decent for the video. Those who don't actually watch the video but listen to the podcast <laughs> will not have to subject themselves to the site. But... No, no. Take yourself <laughs> lucky that you don't see my horrible hair. It's <laughs> not horrible. <laughs> also, for those on the video, um, I've got Tortle in my lap, our cat. Mm-hmm. And if you hear dingles or like bells on the um, the audio, that's that's Tortle. Yeah. Um, She's a very social cat. She's our murder cat. She is. <laughs> and she's very, very cuddly at yes, the moment. Yes, because it's cold. Yeah. It's very cold. They're predicting snow here. Stormy's been very cuddly recently too, but that's because she's been under the weather. Yes, that is why we did not have a podcast up last week. It was mm-hmm. because Stormy got unexpectedly ill. Yeah. And, um, oh, sweetie. And so, Sorry. I love having your arm around me, but it's just a bit uncomfortable at the moment. Okay. Um... And so that's why we didn't have one up last week, because she was not well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're back now, better than ever. Ooh. She fell asleep. She had her first day of preschool back today. Yeah. And she passed out by seven o'clock. It was great. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> for her, like, getting rest for her is, is good. Oh, yes. So, and also we get to do the podcast a bit earlier than usual. A bit earlier. Like, about an hour earlier than we usually get around to doing it. Yeah, the last couple of times. <laughs> but um, we also watched um, RuPaul's Drag Race Canada mm-hmm. tonight and had some um, piggy outy time. It was very enjoyable. <laughs> That's what that was all about. <laughs> I made pizza. Thank Ice you. cream and RuPaul's Drag Race was yeah. great. Well, I helped. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you did. And shared in the fruits of our spoils. Yes. <laughs> so that was fun. And um, now we're into some murder. We haven't we haven't had our murder fix for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome, Zorge. Okay. So we'll, this week we're going to do a pretty interesting and controversial murder. Mm-hmm. Peter Falconio. <gasps> Peter Falconio. Yes. So, Peter Falconio was a British tourist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he disappeared on the Stuart Highway near Barrow Creek, which is a middle-of-nowhere town of 11 in the Northern Territory. It's about uh, 280 k's north of Alice Springs. Okay. And he disappeared on the 14th of July, 2001, while travelling with his girlfriend, Joanne Lee. So, remote town. Very um, remote. Very extreme uh, wilderness, back to nature, tourist trap for um, for backpackers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, in the top. North. They're doing a road trip, um, which I'll go into detail later. But yeah, they're yeah. on their way to Darwin. Okay. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, Australia, uh, Alice Springs is just north of Uluru. Is that right? Yeah. Just north of Uluru? And then this took place... I'm pretty certain. We do have a map in our office. I, I know that, but we're not <laughs> in our office, are we? No, we're not. It's just north of Uluru and then um, on the way from Uluru to Darwin. Mm. So they were doing that leg. So Darwin is the capital of the Northern Territory. And that's true. And our most northern capital. Mm-hmm. It's the most populous city in the Northern Territory. Uh, I think it's also our most remote. Capital, or is that Perth? But anyway. Being a tie. Yeah. So, um... Be up there. Yeah. So, Peter was born in 1972 on the 20th of September. 
um, making him 29 when he disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the third of four sons from Hepworth, West Yorkshire, England. I have mm. no idea where that is, so I just know it's in England. Um, and he started dating Joanne in 1996 when he met her at a club and he studied at Brighton Uni. Mm-hmm. So they'd been together for a while before they embarked on this trip. The slurping is my husband being gross. Sorry. While we're having hot chocolates. We are very much enjoying Remember, hot chocolates. Remember, you are a microphone nerd. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they've been together a while. So on the 15th of November 2000, Sydney on the back. Mm-hmm. No, it had nothing to do with the Olympics. No, it was just the same year. (laughs) Um, Joanne and Peter left on a tour of Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, and Australia. That's quite a lot of countries. It is quite a lot of countries, and they're quite... Australia seems to be the one that stands out in that group. How so? Um, Well, Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, they're all in like, like that one group of Asia, like that one area of Asia. Yes. And then you've got Australia. That's right. So Australia kind of sticks out of their itinerary, but I don't think for any bad reason. Geographically, we're not that far. No, no, no. Southeast Asia. Yeah, we're we're classified as Australasia. Yes. So, like, it's not, like, out of the way. It's just, they're all mainland Asia and then Australia. It's just just too broad, that's all. I just wouldn't be an itinerary that I would see often. Or that you would see often. Possibly not, but it's a varied itinerary. It is. Yeah. Um, their families were anxious about the Australia part of the trip due to the news around the backpacker murders, the Port Arthur massacre. Yes. And um, the Childers Place Palace backpack fire. Um, backpackers hostel fire. Um, which, yeah, okay, granted. That, like, they were pretty big things that happened in Australia at the time. Um... So, January 16th, 2001, they landed in Australia with a working holiday visa, mm-hmm. which means that they're on holiday, but they have the right to work in our country while they're on holiday to yes. make money. Yeah. And then on the 25th of June, so six months later, they left on a road trip they planned from Sydney to Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide, Darwin, Brisbane. So, they're going from Sydney yes. to Canberra. Down to Melbourne, across to Adelaide, up the Stuart Highway to Darwin, and then over to, to Brisbane, which is one of the trips I want to do. Actually, that's quite a uh, that's quite a long. Oh, road it's trip. a huge road trip. I'd love to do it as well. I'd like to do it, but not at the moment. Yeah, COVID has basically locked down Victoria, so mm-hmm. there is Buckley's chance of getting to Melbourne anytime soon. Mm. Unless, like, you, you live in Melbourne or you have family in Melbourne and then you've got to quarantine for two weeks. I think out of your own pocket, too. Out of your own pocket? I think so. Oh, okay. Um, well, there you go. They've changed the rules then. I, I, I don't know. Don't okay. quote me, but I think so. Um, they were travelling in an orange combi van, as you do. As you do. Combi van. That's <laughs> a trademark. Combi vans are awesome. Like you got On to... road trips. Well, you got a Byron, and there's pretty much every second car the bloody com- combi, combi van. Um, now I want to go to Byron still. <laughs> I've been to Byron; it's great. I know I have too. Um, about seven p.m. on the fourteenth of July, Peter and Joanne stopped at a roadhouse at Barrow Creek. So Barrow Creek, as I said before, middle of nowhere. Eleven people are registered with living there. Resident population. 
Um, there's a roadhouse and I think a pub and that's about it. Well, you know, even the smallest places, towns in Australia, they tend to have a pub. Well, especially <laughs> out there. That's part of the culture. And there's a lot of small um, towns like that in all states and territories in this in Australia. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But especially out, like, in desert. Yes. Oh, and for one thing we forgot to say, this is in the desert. This mm. is part of the desert. The outback our, area. Uh, yeah, our outback. Um, so, um, there's something the road ca- roadhouse in Barrow Creek got some fuel and left. It's always good to fill up a fuel whenever you, you stop out. Well, not even out back, but like when you're driving anyway, because like, unless you're on the East coast, it's pretty like fuel and far between. That's, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So the East coast up and down the free with the Pacific highway and even on the new England here. It's not too bad, mm. but if I was traveling like any further west than here, I'd probably fill up like every time I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be safe than sorry, air on the side of Corfman. Yeah. So about 7.30, Peter was driving, and both he and Joanne became aware of a vehicle that followed them out of Barrow Creek. Well, they were aware of it, but yeah, you know what I mean. And they kept expecting to be overtaken, but instead the vehicle, a white Toyota 4B, with a green canopy, pulled alongside them and gestured for them to pull over. When they did, the driver of the Toyota told Peter that he saw sparks coming from the exhaust of the combi. Which, okay, you're driving a combi, that's legitimate. Yeah, that'd be a worry. Yeah. Especially out there. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of times, a lot of people, and it's true, Aussies are very accommodating and nice, but they're either evil contingent, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. But generally, they're quite helpful, and and you as a tourist would probably pull over and go, oh, okay, they're trying to help me out. Part of the egalitarian ethos of Australian mythology. Yeah, and people that are assholes take advantage of it. That's right. Um, so Peter and the driver of the Toyota went to the back of the combi. Um, Joanne got into the driver's seat in case the engine needed to be revved or turned back on or anything like that. Um, she heard a loud bang from the back of the van, and then the man was at the window aiming the gun at Joanne. He climbed into the van and put Joanne's hands behind her back and tied them with cable ties. She was uh, she was accommodating at this point, because she wasn't sure what was going on, I guess. And she would have been in shock. Yes. Um, but she did start fighting him, and he was unable to tie her feet or tape her mouth. Um, the man dragged Joanne from his car. Uh, to his car, I mean, and shoved her in in, in a ute, because this was a 4B ute. In a ute, I think you got um, people in um, the US call them pickup trucks, mm-hmm. but we call them utes, utility vehicles, utes. Um, you've got, like, seats, your, your front seats, and then you've got a space in the back, like, behind the seats, that you can chuck stuff, but it's not very big. Mm. And so he chucked her there. Okay. And there was a dog in the car as well. But, um... The man got distracted. Apparently, um, from the theories, there's no there's no absolute about what he got distracted about. But the theory is that he got distracted moving Peter's body. Okay. Um, and Joanne fled, fearing rape or worse. Mm. She hid in the scrub. And the man searched for her quite extensively with a torch and everything. Passed by her multiple times, but then he gave up. Um, Joanne hid until she was sure he was gone, 
and then flagged down a road train at 12.35am. The driver and co-driver took her back to Barrow Creek. Now, something that I want to say about that is that would have taken her a lot of balls to flag down another car, Mm. or a truck in this case, because a road train is a really big truck. It's a truck with two or three or even four trailers behind it. Mm. They're transporting a lot of goods. Normally, normally livestock too. Yeah. But it would have taken her knowing that that was probably a man behind the wheel, because women aren't massive in the truck driving industry. Mm. Probably a man. That would have taken balls for her to flag down this this road train. But desperate times and all that. Oh, yeah, of course. Desperate times. But I'm just saying, like, kudos. Yeah. Random segue. Did your dad ever try drive one of those when he was a truck driver? No, I don't believe so. You'll have to ask him. Okay. But I think he just drove semis. All right. I certainly will. Um, I don't believe he had the license for a uh, train drive. Uh, okay. road train. Okay. Yes, my dad used to be a truck driver. Mm. Um, so the cops at Alice Springs, so this is 280k away. Yeah. So well, that's about two and a half, three hours drive away. Mm. Well, cops, they get to go faster, but average. Av- on average. Um, so they got a call around 1.30am and arrived at 4.30am for testimony and evidence collection. And they also began the search for Peter then. Mm. Along with the gunman in the vehicle. But that was at about 7am they started the search. So that's a, almost 12 hours after mm. the attack. Um, at the scene, they found a pool of blood covered in dirt. And the orange combi had been hidden about 80 metres into the scrub. Um, after About eight hours after the rescue of Joanne Lees, roadblocks were put... So this was after the rescue. Oh. So this was after... She got picked up by that's the road train. so much so time that's, elapsed. what, 8.30 in the morning. That's, yep. like, 13 hours after after the incident. So, 13 hours, you can get, like, fairly far away. You certainly can. Like, insanely far away. Mm. 13 hours, like, from here to Sydney is 6 to yeah. 8. Yes. Depending on how many time, how far you drive. Mm. 13 hours is from here to Canberra, I reckon. Yeah. Although I've never driven that, so don't quote me. Roughly. Roughly, I reckon it would be about 12 you'd to 13 be, you'd hours. You'd definitely be reaching, if not crossing the, well, you can't really now, but the Victorian no, border. you'd be crossing borders, and you, or you'd have time to hide and, and stuff like that. Like, that's an insane amount of time. I don't know... Um, considering the geography of where this is happening, 13 hours. Because the Northern Territory is quite big. I don't it know whether big, you... It is big, but it's not that big from Alice Springs to Barrow Creek, though. Would you have crossed the border you by then? Yeah. Into... If you went east or west, you could have, because Northern Territory is more up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's longer than it is wide. You could have... You could have... Depending on the roads, I don't know what the roads are out there. Mm-hmm. Depending on the roads, you could have gone you, to you could Western have, Australia. You could have even crossed the, the state line, I think, between South Australia and Northern Territory by then. I reckon 12 hours, you could have. Mm. But it depends. I, I, I've never driven in the Northern Territory. I'm just guesstimating yeah, like, on like maps and stuff of how far things are. But you'd, you'd have a fairly friggin' big lead. We know people who have visited. We know people from the Northern Territory. We've seen it on, on maps, etc., as you were just saying. But, yeah, this is 
we we can't speak from personal experience because we haven't been up there. So. Yeah, one of my uni friends was from Darwin, and I drank her, which was because <laughs> we were drinking beer. Yes, Ugh. and I, Northern Territorians can put it away. Yes, I am an Aussie that does not like beer. Just putting it out there. That means more for me. <laughs> yes, it means more spirits for me. But okay, saying that the cops—that is a big swat of territory that they're they're up against, though. Mm. But still, eight hours after rescue. Uh, I know that like distance and stuff puts things, but seriously, like maybe they. Could, I understand it wouldn't have been up like that, you know, like as soon as you got rescued, because like things had to happen. But mm-hmm. oh, insane! I wonder if they could have maybe cut some time off that. But yeah, they were put in place on the dozen roads out of the district. So there was a dozen roads out of Barrow Creek area. Mm-hmm. 13 hour head start. Yeah. Dude could have been really anywhere. Um, but the gunman was likely long gone. Um, searches continued for many months, but little apart from Joanne's footprints were found, and even Aboriginal trackers couldn't find any evidence of either the attacker or Peter. So the only person they could put at that scene was Joanne Wells. Mm. Um, at the time, they didn't real the cops didn't realise the gravity of Peter's disappearance. Um, because there was no body belongings or other evidence that corroborated Joanne's story. Um, unfortunately there was nothing at that time. There does come more evidence and we'll get into that later, mm-hmm. but sorry about that, I just need to sip. Um but um unfortunately for Joanne at this time there wasn't much that backed up her story. Um, but the media caught onto the incident, and of course, in the wake of the backpacker murders, which we will do one day, it's very heavy, and mm. Ivan Milat is one of our most, if not the most prolific serial killer we've ever had, and he perpetrated the backpacker murders, so I'm kind of saving him for a special occasion. Maybe our first anniversary or something. Yeah. Um, Stay tuned. Yes. Um, and so in the wake of the backpacker murders, they sensationalised the crap out of Joanne's story. Like, I the crap. I do remember it as well. Um, as one of survival in a horrific circumstance with low odds of survival, yet she made it. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, however... She had, her statement had inconsistencies that they couldn't back up and her demeanour was very scrutinised in the weeks following the attack. Now, something that has to be said about the Lise Falconio murder is that this is in the same area with the same police forces and judicial system as the Azaria Chamberlain case. Now, again, another really famous case in Australia and we can do it if you want. It's not a murder, though. It is a dog attack. It is a dingo, a wild dog attack, a dingo attack, and it was proven. That is why we haven't done it, and probably it wasn't on our list to do, but we are happy to go over it if you want. But this is the same situation, like the same, it's a disappearing person, all that kind of thing. 20 years on. Same judicial system, same area, (laughs) same cops, same mindset, same all that. Female uh, Female, figure, outsider, scrutinised demeanour. Yeah. 
and there was a lot of parallels to the to the Lindy Chamberlain court case mm. and case when it came to Joanne Lees and her statements. Um, so that is that is uh, something that we need to to remember that that is the same area and there was a lot of parallels. Um, so her Joanne's evidence included a facial composite of the attacker, a description of the vehicle and the dog that was with the attacker. Um, there was also, apart from Joanne's evidence, there turned out to be CCTV footage from Barrows Creek Roadhouse Ooh. of the suspect, along with DNA on Diane, on Diane's, on Joanne's shirt, the gear stick and the cuffs that he yeah. put on her, the, the cable tie cuffs. Um, it's a fairly wide-ranging uh, DNA well, track. Three pieces, that's pretty average, mm. I, I reckon. Um, I know that, like, there's usually, mm. you don't always get DNA, but... Yeah, well, you started them more than I have, so... Yeah, but three pieces of DNA is pretty pretty good for a crime scene. Um, but they're on important things, like, how would someone's DNA get on her shirt? Mm. Or on the cuffs, or even on the gear stick of the combi. Granted, if it was a rental combi, maybe, depending on where on the gear stick they found it. Um, but to have something that was introduced during the attack, like the cuffs, to have that DNA on it, it w- that wouldn't have been in the combi otherwise. So that was brought to the scene. Yes. So the the, the DNA on the cuffs, and possibly Joanne's shirt would have had more evidentiary value than the gear stick. Because mm. um, previous owner could have had it on there. Like, um, whatever, you know? Or if it was rented, because there are combis you can rent here in Australia mm. to go on road trips and stuff. Yeah, it's a bit of a thriving business from all I understand. It is. Wicked mm. Vans is really good. You yeah. see them on the road all the time with all the cool graffiti on the sides and mm. stuff. They're awesome. Yeah. Now, you keep talking for a second, I need a drink. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, so there would have been these two narratives going on the the, the macro national international level of um, one one reading that I remember is this um this pretty foreign backpacker um, dealing with you know the the ugly nightmarish um, fear in the minds of many Australians about the uh, the, the remote outback parts of our country uh, and sinister people who might reside there mm. um, come to come to life. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later on when we talk about um, things that came from this. But also this, um, yeah, this 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 outsider uh, coming in and maybe not being who she says she is and. Not being and, truthful. Yeah, and her the reality being hidden from us mm. of of murder, etc., etc. Yeah. Okay, so the police... It's re- a micro story anyway. Yeah, it's a micro story. Yeah. yeah. Little territory. Police released the CCTV footage but found no useful information came from it, so the cops focused on owners of 1991 to 1999 models of land, Toyota Land Cruisers. 
Now, 36 men were identified, and now I don't know if that's just in the state or whether that's nationwide. It sounds a little low for nationwide, mm. a lot of low for nationwide. So I don't think it would be. I think it would be more statewide. Yeah. Um, and 36 men were identified, and as a re- result, Bradley John Murdoch was interviewed on the 1st of November 2001, but he was not linked to the case. And DNA was not taken. However, on the 17th of May, 2002, so a year, uh, six months later, um, a drug accomplice of Murdoch spilled the beans on information after he got arrested, mm-hmm. on information about the case, and a DNA analysis of Murdoch's brother linked to the DNA found after the attack. Now, the DNA from Murdoch's brother was not exact match. It was a familial match. Familial. Um... So, Murdoch disappeared, but he was found on the 22nd of August, not 2002, so another four months after that. He was arrested by the South Australian police on an unrelated kidnap and assault charge. Because that's not a red flag or anything. No, not at all. No, not at all. Just some dude. So, Murdoch was extradited to the Northern Territory, obviously, mm-hmm. and a committal hearing began in April 2004. Five, which is three, two and a half years old. Wow, that's... It takes a while for trials to come to court. Um, the trial proper began on the 17th of October 2005 in front of the Supreme Court of Northern Territory in Darwin. The I think another part of the delay was that the court building was not ready for this. Wow. So it had to be renovated for almost a million dollars. To cope with the demands of the trial and the media attention and all that. Yeah. Um, Murdoch ended up pleading not guilty to all charges. Honestly, not many people plead guilty from from my research. Yeah. Like, they don't plead guilty that much. And if they do, it's normally with a plea agreement. Mm. So there's not even a guarantee that they are guilty. It's just that they've got a sweet deal and don't want to risk it. Yeah. Um, But he pleaded not guilty. Um, Lee's identified a Murdoch both in a photo lineup in, um, after, before he was arrested and in court. Expert trackers testified that they couldn't find any footprints other than Joanne's at the scene. Murdoch was found to have left Alice Springs at the time and in the direction that he would have been at Barrow Creek at the time of the attack. Expert testimony says that the image on the CCTV was Murdoch. And police found Murdoch's DNA on the cuffs and the T-shirt Joanne was wearing. Now, what did I say about evidential value, evidentiary value earlier? Mm-hmm. The cu- his DNA being on the cuffs, something that was introduced to the scene, is quite big. That is quite big. Um, the T-shirt DNA was also said to be 150 quadrillion times more likely to belong to Murdoch than anyone else. There's not even that many people on this planet. No. Much Um, smaller than that number is the world's population. That's a huge... That's a huge thing to say. Yes. In DNA worlds, that is a huge thing to say. And probably would not be said now. Um, Normally, you... It's... Normally, your... um, uh, Ratios of how much um, a DNA would 
be is likely to belong to someone is based on population, so it's actually not any bigger than the population of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how they did this, so I can't say. But normally that it's up against that. So okay, you use the population of the planet rather than which is now seven point seven seven point eight billion. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So Murdoch's defense was that the DNA was planted. Sound familiar? Most mm-hmm. people say that. That, they say, oh, it's planted, I'm framed, I didn't do it. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. Or, now, okay, you have to say it, you have to remember this, okay? Mm-hmm. Or could have been accidental blood transfer at, from Red Rooster Alice Springs. Okay? Okay. Um, Joanne did, at the committal hearing, say that her and Peter had been at the Red Rooster at Alice Springs on their way. But how could his DNA be on the cuffs if they weren't in the combi, combi or on Joanne until after the attack? Mm. So how could the DNA have gotten onto the cuffs at Red Rooster? That seems pretty far-fetched to me. Yes. And I'm a lay person in this regard. Um, he was found guilty unanimously and sentenced to life in prison with a non-parole period of 28 years. He was also convicted of assault related charges on Joanne. He appealed in December 2006 and in January 2007, Northern Territory Court of Appeals dismissed the claims. I will get those words out eventually. Words are hard today. He applied for special leave to appeal to the High Court of Australia. 2007, June 2007, High Kills, High Kills, God damn it. Words really are hard today. today. I cannot English. Oh. Have Hi. some more hot chocolate. Okay. High Court refused special leave. Um, this exhausted all of his appeals, but he still tried to appeal again in 2013, although it does not say the outcome of it. Okay. Now, sightings have been reported for months and even years after the attack, but unfortunately, Peter's body has never been found, um, which leads to more speculation. Um... In 2006, Murdoch, and this is what I need you to remember, Murdoch refused to be served chicken. This is, mind you, this is like years after he'd been in jail. Yeah. But in 2006, after his his trial, he refused to be served chicken due to allergies and has a medical certificate to back it up. So it puts major holes in his defence that he was in Red Rooster. Hmm. Because even though they serve things that aren't chicken-related, it's a chicken place. Mm-hmm. If you were, I don't know, allergic to chicken, you wouldn't necessarily go to a place that is known for its chicken. Mm. You wouldn't go to Red Rooster or KFC. I don't... Excuse me. I don't have an allergy to Red, Ro- to Red Rooster. I don't have an allergy to Red Rooster, but I don't have an allergy to chicken. But I do know that when I was pregnant with Stormy, our daughter... I hated chicken. Mm. I could not stand chicken. You loved chicken when you were pregnant with Dakota. But yeah, but I hate chicken with Stormy. Stormy. Yeah. Could not go anywhere near chicken. Now, that's not an allergy. But I would expect, if you had an allergy to something, you wouldn't want to go near it. Yeah. that. So you'd like go to Macca's or something instead, yeah? Mm. That raises a lot of eyebrows, questions, mm-hmm. red flags, all the things you can raise. Yep. Now, Murdoch is in Birama prison. It's, um, there's a lot of speculations and doubt about his guilt. 
uh, Keith Allen Noble, especially, he's an author. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of journalists and other authors um, paint him with the conspiracy theorist brush. Yeah. Which uh, I haven't read any of his stuff, so I can't say. Whether he's a crackpot or not. Yeah, but he has he has promised twenty five thousand pounds to anyone that can prove Peter is alive, because he insists that Murdoch is innocent. I would be interested to hear what Falconio's family um think about this, because they must have been and still be devastated, especially when consider it's you know the other side of the world. Yeah. They've been. Well, their son went missing. Well, they they've been here for all the trials and everything. So. Yeah. Um, in 2017, now this is pretty recent. Um, 2017, New Northern Territory News, NT News, got a letter anonymous anonymous. Oh, for fudge sake, I cannot speak tonight. Anonymously claiming that Murdoch cut up Peter's body and put it in two garbage bags. The letter claimed that an associate was asked to dissolve the remains in acid. And dumped them in the Swan River in Perth. In Perth. The Swan River. Why? Uh, yeah, what's the reason? What's the rationale behind that? Why would you go all the way to Flickin' Perth to dump remains from the Northern Territory? Mm. The letter did say, however, that the, the associate went past Geraldton, which is in Northern Western Australia, mm. and buried the bags out there. Okay. So in remote Buckfuck. Yes. But fuck nowhere. Um, NT News gave the letter to Northern Territory Police who say they are reviewing it. A huge potential swath of territory <gasps> in West Australia. There's a buttload of information. I think that's the most information we've ever had in, the, in one of our murders. That's certainly a lot of information. And you and spoke earlier of the romanticisation of the backpacker murders. Well, No, not romanticisation. Sensationalisation. The sensationalisation. Sorry. I, yes, am, like, you a little tired, oh, yeah. even with, with hot chocolate, so yeah. I'm kind of getting no, it's fine. concepts mixed up. Forgive me, viewers. Um, the sensationalisation of the backpacker murders. This ended up getting oh, sensationalised, along with the backpacker murders, in pop culture, helped um, serve as inspiration for Wolf Creek. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Um, Wolf the... Creek, backpacker murders, and... Some of our other murders, like Paul Daniel and that, mm. were kind of mixed in with it, but it was mainly the, Paul, the Peter Falconia case and mm. Backpacker Murders were the basis of Wolf Creek, the yes. horror movie. Which, you, which, which had a I sequel. Which I actually have not seen yet. And it's now a television series too. I have too. to see it. It's on Stan, I believe. Oh, I have to sit down with it. Well, it's coming up to Halloween, so whoop whoop. Yeah, whoop whoop. Watch it. Watch I get it. to watch some scary movies. Scary Australian movies. <laughs> I hope you like it. I enjoyed that little dance I did on, the, or we did on YouTube. Do <laughs> you know that Quentin Tarantino reckons it's one of the scariest films he's ever seen? And that's Quentin Tarantino. That's saying mm-hmm. a lot. That man has made some of the best thrillers ever. Come on, he's Pulp quite, Fiction. He's quite an inspired filmmaker, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, anyway. And there's, there's always horrific elements yeah. in his films. Too. There's been yeah. um, docu-series and docu-dramas mm-hmm. as well around Joanne um, in the years. And she's written a book. Yeah, there's quite a thriving literature about these cases. Um, I think because his body's never been found, it's kind of like inspired the imagination. Yeah. Which, well, is, we'll which is great. Um, but um, it is, it's one of those... 
unlike the backpacker murders where it was there was no doubt Ivan Malat did that. Um, there's still that doubt about Murdoch, and not for me. For me, that DNA says all. Yeah. And that might be my science training or whatever, but you can't explain how that DNA got into the cups. That yeah. I can't get past. That that does sound scientifically logic. Um, I'm happy to review review that opinion at any time with any new evidence, but with the evidence that we have at the moment, I say he did it. Um, I do see many parallels between Joanne Lees and Lindy Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Um, there are inconsistencies, sure, but she was terrified and scared and probably didn't remember things. And also, this is a great case on why eyewitnesses are not as good evidence as everyone thinks they are. You have three eyewitnesses, you have three different versions of events. Mm. This is why forensic science is so important. And I'm not saying that as someone who's studying it at the moment. It is impartial. Mm. It is what it is. And that is why I can't get past the DNA on the cuffs. Yeah, unlike the Rashomon effect of, yeah, multiple witnesses with different Mm. stories. Different perspectives on the scene. Yeah, that's, really, that's a really good analogy. Thank you. Um, just the cuffs being introduced to the scene and having that person's DNA. How else would that DNA be on those cuffs? Mm. Like, I cannot think of another way. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Might have brushed past him at a shop. Got it on a t-shirt. Doesn't say where on a t-shirt. They got it. Could be on the sleeve. You brush past someone who's wearing a, a singlet. You get skin cells on the shirt, mm-hmm. there you go. The gear stick. If it was a rental, you would have you could have DNA from previous renters. If it was sold to you, you could have DNA evidence from other people that had been driving in there. But those cuffs were introduced at the time of the crime. Mm. So that's why I hold that in quite a high regard. What do you reckon? I reckon that... Uh it would take a lot of chicanery and um, underhanded tactics to um, end up with a result like that that wasn't um, that wasn't achieved through the the scenario that corroborates um, Joanne Lee's testimony. Mm. Yeah. I'm like you. I think that um, unless new evidence comes to light to to challenge to to, to challenge what's been what what the facts of the case are that have been built up so far, I reckon that um, yeah, that Murdoch's a culprit too. Mm. Mm. And I think what got him was the cops. Mm. I think I think if not for the cops, he could have talked his way out of it, maybe. But, but cops don't lie. If you <laughs> hold your faith. Have faith in uh, in DNA. I just have faith in science. Mm, <laughs> science is my religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tis, tis, tis a good faith to tis, have. Tis, tis the Bible of relativity. Yes. <laughs> it's all relativity. <laughs> yeah, and there's mm-hmm. like the 12 apostles of Einstein and, and Newton and Tesla and Curry and 
Galileo. I'm sure I could come up with, with 12 people that I that I love to you be my disciple, to be my apostle. Double that. Probably, triple that. But, probably. yeah. But I'm a bit tired at the moment, so there's five. I think that was five. <laughs> I think that was five. Four or five. Four or five. There's a start. I'm not... I'm 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 not religious, but ironically, I do have. It, it sounds like a contradiction terms, but I do have faith in science, like mm. you. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a difference between faith and faith. Mm. Yeah. Like was, you can have faith by believing in yourself, or someone could have faith by believing in God. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't ra- uh, I don't I don't rag on people that believe in God. That's a you thing, and me believing in science. That's a me thing. That's right. I hope whatever you have faith in brings you joy. Just be cool to us and we'll be cool yeah. to you. But I hope whatever ha- you have faith in brings you joy and, mm. and helps your life in whatever way you need help. Um, so what? So that's what, that's that's all I've got at the moment. Do you have anything? What's Joanne, did, uh, did Joanne Lee's um, go move back to Yeah, England? she went home. She went home, yeah. Um, as I said, there has been some docuseries and documentaries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um... Stormy's waking up. Stormy's waking up. At 11.15 at night, Stormy's okay. waking up. Mind you, she has been asleep for three, four hours, so... Yeah. Do you think it might be time to end this? I think we'll have to end this, guys. I'm sorry, we were going to chat for a little bit longer, but not for much longer, so you're not missing out on much. Yeah. But Stormy's awake, so we got to go. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.